Tom Brady's beaten the the Cowboys eight straight times. Kind of in, uh, incredible that that statistic's there. Cowboys, the number I'm looking at, favored by two and a half going into this thing. The uh, Cowboys at the Bucks tonight to close Super Wild Card Weekend. Winner here earns the right to move on and face, well, the uh, the first winner of Wild Card Weekend, which uh, was the 49ers, who really, out of all of these games, the, the only dud was the second half. Yeah, the Seahawks had a 17-14 lead at halftime. The only dud was that second half. The 49ers just blitzkrieging Seattle. Uh, McCaffrey went crazy. Purdy continues to play really, really well. 332 yards through the air, three touchdowns. McCaffrey, 119 on the ground. 41-23 the final there for San Fran. Told you that uh, on Saturday night the Jags came back from 27 down. Third largest ever playoff comeback. They beat the Chargers 31-30. Then uh, yesterday, three games, and all of them good. The Bills looked like in some danger versus Miami, even though it was Skylar Thompson playing quarterback. 34-31, though. The Bills survive over the Dolphins. 31-24, the Giants KO the Minnesota Vikings. And last night, big uh, big late defensive score, the difference as Cincinnati, again, survives the Baltimore Ravens with a third-string quarterback at home, the uh, Bengals survive 24-17. to And that brings us to tonight, where, again, you've got the Cowboys at the Bucks. You got a feeling on tonight? Yeah, I mean, some part of me feels like a trap game a little bit for Dallas going to Tampa Bay against Tom Brady. We know what Tom Brady can do in the playoffs, but the Buccaneers have not looked great this season. A losing record, 8-9. and nine. But we've seen the Cowboys kind of choke a little bit here in the first round of the playoffs. But we'll see. Dallas is the much better team. They should go down there and get a win. Tariko and crew last night for uh, Sam Hubbard as he took it 98 yards to the crib. It sounded like this. Right around Hundley. He reaches. Oh, that ball's out. That's live. Back the other way, Sam Hubbard. The Cincinnati kid. Hubbard's got a convoy. Chased by Andrews at the 30. The 20, he will score! And what about that final call? What did that sound like for the Bengals? Moving on to the divisional round where, of course, they're going to match up in what figures to be, I think, the game of next weekend versus the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. But final call sounded like this, and actually it was pretty dramatic. We haven't even mentioned that. Looked like maybe this ball could have been caught. Sounded like this. Can Tyler Huntley do it? Four-man rush, retreating, puts it up for grabs, and it is deflected, and Crochet almost had it. He couldn't bring it in, and the Bengals survive. Bye-bye to the Baltimore Ravens, who... Gave it a valiant effort, but uh, no cigar. Much better commentary. Wasn't there – what was the game? It was Jags-Chargers that was getting a lot of heat for (laughs) the broadcasting, not being very excited for the comeback that the Jaguars had. There was just something odd with that game from a broadcasting point of view. I mean, you couldn't really hear the fan base, it felt like, in the background either. Who who was on the call for the Chargers-Jaguars? Do you remember? Chargers Jaguars would have been it was uh 
Al Michaels, right? Yes, Al Michaels. Yes, he was getting a lot. He was getting a lot of heat. He, Al Michaels was getting a ton of heat. Well, for yeah, just not getting like it didn't feel like much excitement from the broadcasting. Just realizing that the Jaguars were literally or coming back from twenty-seven down. Had, had, it was just so it felt boring, which it was an entertaining and awesome game. After they had authored the third greatest comeback, yes. In postseason history, I don't know what the heck happened on this play, but uh, this was the end of the fourth down and eight to set the stage for you. 31-24, buck 51 to go, and here was Cousins and the Vikings season on the line, and uh, it sounded like this. Fourth and eight, game on the line, Cousins, Hawkinson, he is not going to get there, and the Giants will take over. And what they don't tell you on that broadcast, Connor, what the heck was Minnesota doing? How do you throw that route? How do you run that route in that situation, Cousins to Hawkinson? Fourth down and eight. It's not even close. Not even close to the sticks. Yeah, you get a five-yard out route. I don't even Cousins know if it was a five-yard out Yeah, maybe three or four. Yeah, but uh, that was just brutal. I mean, Cousins was getting a little heat. But still, you got to know the sticks right there. Fourth and eight. Just throw it past. Have a guy make a play. Instead, you give it up to a tight end. You got a defender right there for the tackle. So, the uh, the divisional round almost set. Just one final puzzle piece to put into place. The winner tonight of Dallas at Tampa Bay. They are off to San Francisco coming up uh, next weekend. So, should be fun tonight where a lot of uh, – lot is on the line we've gotten multiple texts today asking hey is this the fighting for mccarthy's job game and you know i think that there's a, a good chance that that it is yeah it was from burley burley says do y'all think mccarthy is one and done tonight if he loses to tampa or does he win one to two playoff games and save his job or does it matter well, I definitely think he's got to win tonight. Yes, if he, yeah, if he wins, a, yeah, if he gets the job, if they get the job done tonight. He's going to keep his job. I mean, it, it helps that San Francisco's what won like eleven games in a row now, and a bunch of people all of a sudden, even with Brock Purdy playing quarterback, who has been good, a bunch of people. It's surprising to say that with Purdy, a rook, you know, being the trigger man there, that uh, a bunch of people kind of feel like San Francisco's the favorite now in the NFC. So I think that sort of works to his advantage if they can win this game, that you're not going to maybe catch as much heat. I know it's America's team, and look, you get bounced out of the playoffs, there's going to be some unhappy campers in general, but uh, I don't know that that would be a quote-unquote fireable offense. Some of it might just boil down to how bad does Jerry Jones want Sean Payton and how realistic is the marriage of Payton and Dallas if they were to cut ties, cut bait with uh, Mike McCarthy. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. So that's a lot on the NFL. Let's uh, let's hit big story number four. Wait for it, ladies and gentlemen. Big story number four. Uh, Ginny Baranchek and Oklahoma, they pick up a big win over Kansas. And Honestly, afterwards? I, thought it was, I thought it was a really good win, and you want to do so many things better, but the way that we started, the way that we stayed together, I think the second half, the way we came out was really fun. Kansas is so good. This league's so good. Um, and really, really proud of Liz today. I thought she provided just incredible energy for us, and 
you know, you just go down the line, and I love our assists. I love the way that we're rebounding the basketball. And then we'll work on just not putting them on the free throw line as much as we are right now. But other than that, I couldn't, I really couldn't be more proud of this group. 80 to 74, Oklahoma comes back. They beat Kansas, uh, trailed, let's see, 24 to 15 at the end of the first quarter and able to rally it back, improve to 14 and 2. Overall, now 4-1 and one in Big 12 play. List got a double-double. Maddie Williams, again, another really, really nice night for her. 12-point deficit that Oklahoma rallied back from and erased. 20 points for Maddie Williams. And it was the largest home crowd of over 8,400 in attendance at an Oklahoma women's basketball game since the 2017 season. So, How about that? So... Big time for the Oklahoma women that, look, win and the people will come, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And number one in the Big 12 standings right now, too. They're they're fun to watch. They got a lot of weapons on the floor. And Bronchek, she's got some athletic bigs. That's been kind of the problem with OU women's basketball is not having, you know, that post presence uh, rebounding. But Liz Scott, who just had a double-double against Kansas, she's coming along. Man, they're they're fun to watch. They start. I feel like the last three or four games they start off slow, but man, they pick it up in the second half. And when they get clicking, uh, man, they're they can be a top ten team in the nation. Ninth double digit comeback in the past two seasons. Which it's crazy? I mean, this is year two for Coach Baranchek. Nine double digit comebacks. That's pretty pretty amazing. They've been able to do that. Of course, the appetizer, if you will, big story number three to that. It was uh, it was Oklahoma holding off West Virginia wire to wire win afterwards. Jalen Hill and Milos Yuzon just got to make it. Just that, talking about free throws late, right there. Just make the shots, get us up, then get a stop, and let's, and let's do it again. Uh, Justin, Jalen's the West Virginia team is real physical, good on the glass. Seems like they did a good job handing them there. Just how do you feel you guys handle that physicality, especially when you get a rebound? Well, I think our coaches like they they. Per- prepared us well um all all week they just told us how physical it was going to be and what, what we got to do do to win so they gave us a great scout and we just came in and, and competed and did our job it's another game for you guys where you have a lead and then those last five minutes the team makes a charge like yep. that what what are the feelings in those moments and what today for you guys was just the difference what what, what changed um what changed is that in like the under media timeout and the under four immediate, we just came came in as a group and just um, gathered with each other and just said, we're going to win this game. So I think we just willed it, and that's pretty much it. And you know what? They better get used to the close games because it looks like they're going to be playing a lot of them, Connor. Did you, that's say, been... did you say earlier that they did not score in the final six minutes? They did make or a field make goal. make a field goal. It didn't, to me, it didn't really feel that way, maybe because they kept getting to the strike so many times. But, yeah, just, I mean – don't worry about how you got to that moment for it to be in a close game toward the end. You just got to grind it out. Just find a way, find right? A way. Just find a way. And they hit their free throws, two big free throws by Hill to close it out. Let's see. I'll find this note here for you. The Oklahoma did not make a shot in the final 6-14. Made 11 of 14 free throws, 18 of 25 for the game. Uh, Sherfield, good again. Five uh, five made field goals for him. Three of the three-point variety. 22 points. Jalen Hill. 
I mean, five of five from the floor finishes with 14 points. I, uh, you know, there's only so many times I guess that you can get him the basketball because uh, teams teams are keying on that. But Jalen Hill and Tanner Gross were a perfect seven of seven in this game. And they only took, again, seven shots. Yeah. Tanner Groves, though, came up with a couple of big uh, three-point buckets back to late. Back-to-back threes. Or, yeah. Well, it had back-to-back threes during that stretch. I think it was early in the second half. But, yeah, he was huge. Yeah, Jalen Hill is just tough as nails. He shows that uh, day in and day out. It felt, like, it felt like the Kansas game a little bit when there was over five minutes left. And it was kind of the same situation. West Virginia had a timeout. They scored coming out of the timeout, and they just kept chipping away. And you're like thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, not this again. But OU finds a way. Finds a way, and obviously that's most important with Oklahoma having been in, you know, just one bracketologist projection. I don't know that we just sit here and treat Lenardi's projection as it's the gospel. And ultimately, it's January 16th this morning. So there's a lot of musical chairs and shuffling that will happen between now and when we unveil the bracket that matters. But uh, Oklahoma, if you're into that sort of thing, was in that first four out section Friday morning ahead of, uh, obviously, the West Virginia game. And uh, Oklahoma picks up that 77-76 to win, which means what? Well, the Sooners 2-3 and three in Big 12 play. Now they head off to Oklahoma State. Stillwater, big, uh, big bedlam affair coming up. Oklahoma you think is the the better of the two but uh, it'll be challenging on the road minus two the point differential so far five games of big 12 play for OU none of them have been separated by more than five points yeah and haven't won in Stillwater since 2019 I think the math is correct uh have lost five of their last six in Stillwater but this is Oklahoma State team that's uh kind of down uh this year man they got throttled in Baylor uh, they kind of had a late comeback, but wasn't enough. But that's a game. That's a game you should win to make it two wins in a row in Big Twelve play. I thought, man, I just, I don't know. I must not have been paying close enough attention. I thought those two back-to-back Tanner Groves threes were later in the game than they were. But it was early second half when he early second half early yeah. second half when he hit those two threes. The fifteen thirty nine mark and the fifteen oh one mark. And let's see the well, final. Well, it, it was just a crucial moment because they were up one or two. Yeah, they were up he, two before he hit those. Yeah, then you get back-to-back trays. Jalen Hill's made dunk, assisted by Milo's use on the uh, 6-14 mark. <laughs> Nothing since, except for free throws. But, hey, don't matter, baby. Don't matter. Win column Sooners. Game over, as uh, our man Toby Rowland would say. Big story number two. The transfer portal news of the morning, in case you missed it. Uh, actually, I guess we can just – some of the breaking news notes from this morning. Addison, USC wide receiver, NFL draft. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback, declaring for the NFL draft. And then the transfer portal notes and nuggets for Oklahoma. Josh Ellison announces his transfer to Memphis. And the Sooners have added a tight end, Connor, Blake Smith, out of Texas A&M. Yeah, we haven't – yeah, not much from Blake Smith. I mean, he appeared in six games, only two catches, but we'll see if he can be a good piece and find a way uh, to get on the field. I mean, it's going to be mostly Stogner coming from South Carolina from the receiving end of things at tight end, but I think he can find a way in there. And big story numero uno. Big story number one. I still think it's the flip. From Walter Rouse. 
was committed to Nebraska. Oklahoma gets some offensive tackle help that it needed. They flip Walter Rouse from the Huskers. He says, adios, sayonara, goodbye to Matt Rule and company. He says, hello to Norman, Oklahoma. And I think he's got a great chance to step right in and start straight away, which brings us to our next point of discussion. I give credit where credit is due to our man, Tyler McComas, who's constantly putting uh, great content out on our social media page at KREF Sports. And he asked the question, who's the unsung name or two that you look at out of this transfer portal hall for Oklahoma that you say, you know what, that player can absolutely be a difference maker and we're not talking enough about it. So let's talk transfer portal next. I don't know that Walter Rouse would fit that profile. I think a lot of people, myself included, expect him because of his because of what he brings to the table for Oklahoma from Stanford, sort of expect him to slide right in a la other previous transfers and start for Oklahoma at tackle. But uh, let's debate. Let's discuss next. It's the Plank Show. Our number three right here on The Ref. Appreciate Newcastle Casino bringing us the top five stories of the day. Again, the best reels in the Metro. Happy hour. It's uh, it's underway this afternoon, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. They're conveniently located over there. Off I-44, exit 107. 14 table games. That includes Blackjack, Three Card Poker, Ultimate Texas Hold'em, and more. NewcastleCasino.com. Take in opening time out and we'll come back and talk a little transfer portal next right here home of Suter fans with you after this mop and roofing brings us our number three it's the plank show he ladies and gents is the superstar the budding superstar connor pasby and again our number three i'm josh elmer by the way welcome back into the plank show happy that you've chosen us on a monday morning Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. Appreciate uh, appreciate you guys being around, hanging out with us on the Home of Sooner fans. We uh, we love all of you and uh, appreciate you tuning in this morning. Moppin' Roofing brings us hour number three. They've got you covered. Oklahoma, locally owned and operated, fully insured, licensed, bonded. Moppin' Roofing serving all of Oklahoma. They've been in business for over 35 years. 405-703-3843. Let's uh, let's play cleanup on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. If you just hopped into the ride or you just flipped on that uh, easy-to-find, easy-to-download KREF app, uh, free and available worldwide where you can listen to us all day long, the KREF app. If you just dialed in and missed the end of last segment, the question that we tossed out there, and I'll give, again, credit where credit's due, uh, the social media page for KREF Sports, uh, which you can all follow us there. Appreciate you guys if you do, at KREF Sports. The question was asked, who's the underrated transfer portal ad for the Sooners? And there's been a lot of transfer portal ads for Oklahoma. Some of them, you know, pretty highly publicized. I would put Deshaun McCullough in uh, that camp, Connor. If McCullough's not a star at Oklahoma – it's going to be disappointing, I feel like, at this point, right? There are so many eggs that have gotten put into that basket for the Indiana transfer. There's a, a lot of expectation coming in with him to to be this great edge rusher at times or to be a terrific linebacker or cheetah. There's these tons of different options for how it could play out for Deshaun McCullough at Oklahoma, and that's the expectation for him. Stogner, I, I would – 
probably say is the other other name that I look at and say, okay, folks are expecting him to step right in and be who he was a couple of years ago at Oklahoma, right? And you've got uh, Braden Willis, of course, moving on. It's easy to see where at Oklahoma you've had very, very productive pass-catching tight ends, and lo and behold, here's Stogner. He's back. He's familiar with Oklahoma, familiar with Norman. Steps right in. We've seen what he can do when healthy after the catch. That's kind of like no-brainer. He's going to be a difference maker, right? So those two would be defensively, offensively, the first two guys I point at and say, okay, fans are pretty much expecting these two to be big-time difference makers. Out of everybody else, who is the name? Who's the name that you're excited about, most excited about? I have Kendall Dolby written down right in front of me. I really okay. like I really like that kid. I mean, not talked about a whole lot in this transfer uh, class from NEO. I guess you can call him a transfer kid. I mean, obviously he's come from NEO. But, yeah, I love his film. Uh, very tough, hungry, a Juco kid. And, man, when he comes downhill, he hits you. I know he's undersized a little bit. But his press coverage is something else, and he proved that at the JUCO level. I think he's a kid that can come in. Uh, you got Woody Washington on one spot of the corner, and I think on the other side it's really wide open. I think Kittle Doby really has a chance to come in and uh, grab that spot. Somebody from the text line has my submission. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439, where you can chime in from the 404 the Lacey kid from Notre Dame could be productive at a position of great need. Yeah, yep. Oklahoma needs some they DT need help. Yeah, yeah well, I, I didn't know if we were going to put Lacey at the top, I guess, because he set out last year, correct, at Notre Dame? Uh, Lacey did? Yes. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's a spot that really needs some production. You got Isaiah Coe coming back. But, yeah, Lacey's a kid that can come in, play right away get one of those defensive linemen spots up front. So, yeah, I really like that kid as kind of an underrated uh, transfer portal addition. Devon Sears, I think, put him in that same yeah, category. Yeah, same class, yeah. Yeah, since he came from Texas uh, State. But, I mean, he's really high on. He was a, he's seems highly ranked in the transfer portal rankings to come to Oklahoma. Which uh, – Blake Smith, right? <laughs> you listen yeah. to me talk this morning. He would be of the surprise category. I just – Six games played. I know he'll be a redshirt junior, and maybe the light bulb just comes on as soon as Blake Smith gets to Oklahoma, starts working with Joe John Finley, you know, learns from a Stogner coming in, and maybe maybe it all just does click. You look at the physical profile, six foot four, two fifty. I know he was a three star signee. If you missed it, the breaking news note for Oklahoma today out of the transfer portal. In addition to Walter Rouse's flip, the Stanford offensive tackle that was committed to Nebraska has now flipped to Oklahoma. The other the other breaking news note this morning, Oklahoma's added a tight end out of the transfer portal from Texas A&M. His name is Blake Smith. He's not seen a ton of field time. Six games played. He's caught two passes for one yard. So that, that kind of makes you feel like, ah, I don't know what type of difference maker he's going to be. It'd be a big surprise if he winds up being this big time difference maker for Oklahoma. But who knows, right? Who knows? Yeah, maybe I mean, he just clicks when he gets here. Yeah, maybe he just needs a chance to see the field and show what uh, he's capable of. But yeah, like you said, he's got a chance to learn behind Stogner 
which that's a great player to learn behind, who's played some football, uh, really good years at OU. Uh, didn't do as much as he wanted at South Carolina, but still a really good tight end. Well, that'll be interesting to just see how all of that develops. Stogner gives you some legitimate comfort, and then you just fill out that room. Cade McIntyre is someone I haven't really talked about this morning. He would fit into that personnel grouping, I believe, as well. That's a, that's a signee in this class for Oklahoma. And the Bothroyd kid, the Wake Forest edge rusher. Bothroyd? Bothroyd, yeah. I didn't know how we were going to pronounce it, but yeah. Would you say he's kind of up in that class as well? I mean, a guy that you're expecting a lot of. I mean, I feel like 16 both, and a half sacks at yes. Wake Forest. Because of the production, I think that there's some pretty, again, elevated expectations for him. Devon Sears and Lacey, if you get production from either one, I think folks are going to be happy about it because I don't know that that's a, kind of a given with either of those two. Uh, obviously, there's there's opportunities, there's reps to be had inside for Oklahoma. Same with outside at the, the edge rush position, defensive end for Oklahoma, because the Sooners just weren't great no. rushing passers this season. So because of that, you look at it and it's easy to say, okay, there's, there's reps, there's production to be had there. But we've seen both Bothroyd and Trace Ford throughout their careers produce. Yeah, those yeah. Oh yeah, those are kids that can yeah, bring some heat around the edge that Oklahoma really needs. Or we could see the Autobare kid, the freshman. So I mean, those are some spots that are up for grabs. I know you got Ethan Downs on the other side. I mean, we didn't see as much as we wanted from Ethan Downs, but those are two huge transfer additions at a position that you really need. We talk about defensive line and you talk about the edge rushing, getting the quarterback. Well, and all of which is to say, Connor, that that's why I didn't pick Bothroyd, right? Because he's got yeah, he's, a lot of production. He's a little higher up, I think, on the radar for me. If you had to power rank the perceived impact going in, what what would you say? How would you power rank the transfer portal additions? McCullough one, is that fair to say? Yeah, McCullough one. Um, Stogner two. I don't know. I mean, that's close. Bothroyd? I mean, yeah, I would say Bothroyd or even Trace Ford at two. Okay, so bottom line is that f- those four would probably be the top four, right? And then from there, it's kind of we'll see after that for Oklahoma. Whether whether a Sears, whether a Lacey can be a legitimate difference maker for OU. But uh, it's been been a hefty, hefty transfer portal haul. The uh, Rouse. Rouse is going to be somebody that's going to step right in. I think it's start at offensive tackle just based on, you know, the extended starts that he's had at Stanford. Pearson. Gosh, yeah, it's safety is key. They just, man, there's a lot of names to look at. Caleb Schaefer. I know that he's from Miami of Ohio. But, uh, again, somebody that has extensive, extensive experience. So a bunch of names. Andrew Anthony Jr., Again, not a ton of production, but given the wide receiver core, it's not crazy to think that a six foot two, one hundred seventy five pound receiver that can burn could be a legitimate difference maker. So I don't know. That's an interesting discussion to have. Which transfer portal additions are going to be most impactful? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, because there's some spots that are kind of up for grab, up for grabs position wise, especially on defense. And here's another name that may be up the ladder too, but uh, Pearson. 
the safety from Texas Tech, who's got a bunch of experience, had a really good game against OU. Yeah, we remember we see the his highlight that he put out when he was coming to Oklahoma. It had the Dylan Gabriel hit in overtime, so a very physical uh, safety. No doubt. Experience back there on the back end to fortify, help fortify a defensive backfield that uh, had its fair share of issues. We have run long, segment number two. Let's take a T.O. We are winding down. Not a ton of time left. Still time, though, for you to slide in if you want to, well, Fire off a text message to us, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Phone lines are open the rest of the way here. You dial us up. You are right on the airwaves. Riverwind Casino, jackpot line, 405-329-9000. If uh, you've just got a burning take for myself, Josh Elmer, or my partner today, Mr. Connor Pasby, just a little bit of time to do so, 405-329-9000, before obviously we uh, pave the way, pass off the baton to Steelman and Thune at noon. Nobody panic. Chris Plank, as I like to say while he's out uh, visiting with his family, some much-needed family time for him, as I like to say on these days where whether it's family time or softball-related or women's basketball broadcast-related, Oklahoma football-traveling-related when he's out, don't panic. He'll be back tomorrow. It'll be the, the Plank Show as usual tomorrow, and you can get your Chris Plank fix. But a couple more segments for Connor and myself. Plank Show rolls on next right here. Home of Sooner fans, back in a moment. Hour three, Plank Show right here. Home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Great weekend for Oklahoma. We've been uh, talking about it, I feel like, a good portion of this morning. Walter Rouse flipping the Stanford OT offensive tackle from Nebraska to Oklahoma. Nice little uh, recruiting win there for the Sooners over the Huskers. So we've got that going on. Blake Smith, transfer portal tight end. That uh, has chosen Oklahoma. So the Sooners fortify the tight end room a little bit. They build it out where you've gotten now a pair of transfer portal additions. Stogner, of course, from South Carolina. Smith from A&M. You already had Caden Helms. You already had Jason Llewellyn on campus. McIntyre signing in this class. So that's the news and notes and the roster rebuilding for Oklahoma. Yeah, pull that back up real quick. Yeah, about the Big 12 schedule. If the rumors are – yeah, this is – yes, about the Big 12 schedule. This is from Mustang Casey. Appreciate you. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. If the rumors are true that next year's football schedule is coming out tomorrow, what what are your predictions for OU's schedule? I mean, I think the new additions to the Big 12, I mean, a few of them, maybe all of them, are going to be road games. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're at uh, Cincinnati and at BYU. So, I, mean, we'll I don't see. think that uh, Oklahoma will go on the road to all of the new I mean, not, not all teams. of them, but at least, I mean, two of them. Will Oklahoma play all of the new True. additions? Yes, that's also a good point. What do you point. think? I don't know. It matters how – I don't know what they're going to do with OU in Texas, but – Will Bedlam be on the schedule? I, w- I would think you'd have to keep that, right? I mean, last year to do it, you're not going to get it anymore, it looks like. So assuming that assu- – yeah. Assuming that Oklahoma leaves. Assume, yeah, assuming as they, that they leave. I mean, yeah, I think you keep Bedlam on the schedule – and I wouldn't be surprised if OU in Texas plays all all four of these teams. Yeah, I don't know what the – Or do you want that since they're not going to be there next year? You just want the new Big 12 teams to just play each other. 
maybe add one or two of them on the schedule. Yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> there's almost this narrative that you quote unquote punish an Oklahoma or Texas by making them play all four of maybe the new teams, right? And you remove some of these longtime rivalries for what could hypothetically be Oklahoma's last year in the Big 12 Conference. But to me, you know, I know that the deal is done and the TV deal has been inked and this and that, but smart business people are smart business people. And as many emotions or hurt feelings as there might be in Stillwater and, hey, we don't want to play Oklahoma if this is their final year in the the league or it's their final two years in the league. Now we've got these other four teams joining the league. Yank us off their schedule and vice versa. I just think the power brokers, the schedule makers that be are going to look at that and say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and keep one of our highest rated television properties for if it's the last season – we're keeping Bedlam yeah. for next year, or if uh, 24, if the Sooners and Longhorns actually do stick throughout the duration of the grant of rights, then you're playing Bedlam two more years in a row. So I'm going to be shocked if Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, if Bedlam's not a part of OU's schedule. Again, I know that there's some people that feel like, yeah, I don't know, some of these longstanding games, including Bedlam, won't be a part of it almost as a stick it to OU in a sense, but I just, man, I just think that the schedule makers, the decision makers that be, probably aren't going to have that thought process. Yeah. Text line, what do you want to see from, with OU's schedule, if it does come out tomorrow with these four teams added on? Do you want to play all four of them? Do you want to play two of them? Or how do you want it to look like? And if you want to keep Bedlam for this upcoming season. Also, I wonder if they keep Texas and Oklahoma State for this upcoming year as well. This is just me, and I know other people don't necessarily feel this way, but uh, with this being the probable final year in the Big 12 for Oklahoma, I would like to see Oklahoma play two of the new teams, two of the four new, and yank West Virginia and TCU off Oklahoma's schedule and play all of the long-time old withstanding big eight type rivals one more time now there's some people that say yeah i don't care to see (laughs) i don't care to play k-state or iowa state or kansas one more time i hear you to me just because of the history of those games i'd like to see it one more time 918 says rumors are ou at byu i've seen that too rumors are ou at byu and cincy but skipping houston hosting the UF UCF Knights. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm with you with playing two of the four teams and yeah, getting back to the old days, taking out West Virginia and TCU, one last go around against all the Big 12 teams. Yeah, it'd be nice to just have the schedule in general. Yes. I don't know that it's, you know, look, it's not do or die for anybody involved to not have the schedule. But, but we would like to see it. I mean, if it's it would be awesome if they do come out with it tomorrow. Well, and I just think more than anything about fans that believe it or not yeah if you get the schedule you know one week before the season starts you'll still travel to the road games and there's a good faction of the fan base that it doesn't matter when the schedule gets released right they're going to the games they'll figure it out but there's a other larger portion of the fan base that it's you know you're bringing your family you're 
trying to make plans. So the sooner the better. They need to get this uh, schedule out just for the fans' sake, I feel like. It would be cool to go to BYU, though. I mean, I feel like a lot of OU fans are going to make that trip if it's at BYU. We saw what that atmosphere was like when they played against Baylor early in the year. Looked like an awesome place to be. I think most people, most Oklahoma fans would say that's the road trip that they would be looking forward to the most out of these new teams. All right, we're out of time this segment. We got one final moment to come back with you, one final TO before we hand it off. Still man and Thune at noon. It's the Plank Show, the home of Sooner fans. One final time, we're back with you. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. It's the Plank Show. Chris Plank, he's back with us tomorrow, hour three. Presented by Mop and Roofing. They've got you covered. Oklahoma locally owned and operated. Fully insured, licensed, bonded. Mop and Roofing serving all of Oklahoma. They've been in business for over 35 years. 405-703-3843. This is probably the text of the day as it pertains to the schedule from the 405. I don't care who they play. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Just, just. Play and play better than six and seven, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> at the end of the day, who cares what the schedule looks like? I I love cool road games, though. I would, I mean, one of these four teams I like to play on the road, and it, I really want at BYU. So we've just got I don't know, probably a minute here. Dallas, Tampa tonight. I love the NFL playoffs. I know this is the home of Sooner fans, but uh, I love some NFL playoff football. What do you think? What What are you predicting tonight? I, I think Dallas sneaks by. I mean, it's going to be really close. Uh, Tampa Bay hasn't looked great this season, but it is Tom Brady. So they'll keep it close, but I, f- I feel like Dallas gets over that hump and gets the first the first playoff win in a little little while. And then that would be, what, three out of four NFC East teams yeah. into the divisional round. Yep. That'd, yep. Be, uh, that'd be pretty wild. You got e- yeah, you got Eagles, Giants. And Cowboys would be uh, the third to to put their name into the hat. That's it for us. Hey, thanks, everybody. Appreciate your calls, your texts. For Connor, my friend, hey, have a great day. And uh, Plank's back with us tomorrow. Still man at noon. Don't go anywhere. Coming your way next.